Hey guys, Jared and Kyle here on the South CAC Syndicate Podcast. Today we got Josh Lust from REI Engineering. We're going to talk failure points in commercial real estate, what to look out for, what he does as a living. We get into some Clemson football and sports for the first time, and we have an argument about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Liz, and you're listening to the South CAC Syndicate Podcast. Good day, listeners. I'm Jared. Kyle Voss. Welcome to the, Synd- the South CAC Syndicate Podcast. Dude, last week it was 80. 80 what? Degrees. I don't know. It's hot in here. I'm actually going to take out my phone. This week, we I woke up to uh, 26 wow. on the mountain. Oh, yeah. It felt good for sure. No more flip-flops. It sucks. Deer are going to start moving. That's what's good. That is good. You been hunting lately? Nope. Why? I haven't been in the wood, woods one time. I thought you were like the avid deer hunter now. Mm, not so much. Mm-mm. Mm. Not at all. You plan on hunting this? Yeah, season? I'm a hunt for my birthday. I think. When's your birthday? Saturday. God, what? Yep. Where are we going? Hunting. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. Well, happy birthday, Kyle Voss. Hit him up on Instagram, the Fab Forums. Appreciate it. All right, today we've got uh, Josh Lux at Lusk, as you just heard in the intro, and uh, we're going to be talking about some cool stuff. So, Josh, you're local boy, Oconee County, right? That's right. Yeah. Born and raised. Yep. I. Uh... Went to Wahala, all the Wahala schools, elementary, middle, high. Graduated in 06. Went to Clemson and um, d- did a brief stint for uh, Sherwin-Williams, if you're familiar with them. Paint company. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Worked with them for a while. Um, actually, from managing a branch in Greenville to being a regional uh, representative for them. You went to school to work for Sherwin-Williams? No. So, I went to school... Um, Clemson for construction science and management is what it's called. So it's basically building science. It's kind of a blended program. I'll call it a blend between architecture and engineering. So most of the guys that come out of that program, guys and girls, excuse me, uh, will work for a general contractor of like some sort. Some kind of large SNK or so, like a large uh General contractor like uh, building schools or building, you know, government buildings. There you go. Stuff. So they more of the project management, estimating. That like a Thompson of, Turner yeah. kind of yeah. company. What made you decide to do that? Was that you have a passion for? Yeah. So growing up, um, well, actually, when I went to Clemson, it was actually for landscape architecture. <laughs> so I ended up switching to building uh, to CSM. But um, I worked for Barry Culbertson, a local builder. Um, uh, just kind of doing odd jobs for him, right? Basically, and uh, fell in love with the building process and, and and construction. So, when I got to Clemson and realized that landscape architecture is not about plants, it's about yeah. drawing, it's about drawing yeah. where the plants go, pretty pictures. I'm not I'm not an artist by any means. So <laughs> when I got there, I was like, screw this, this is not me. So, after a semester, I transferred to building uh, to construction science and. It kind of went from there, but um, yeah. And, and when I got out of school, you just took whatever was available in 2010. If you guys recall, oh yeah, it, nobody was building houses. It was probably the worst time to graduate <laughs> uh, from college, in, in especially in the housing in recent history. So um, I don't remember much about 2010. <laughs> I remember they weren't building too many houses. No, they weren't building much of anything. Yeah. Um, it was very, very. Um, slim market from a from a construction standpoint so 
you know, and it's not like I was a 4.0 guy. So <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't getting the, uh, the first, uh, the first pick or anything like that. So I, I definitely enjoyed my time at Clemson. And, um, so, uh, I, I had a, we had a family friend that, uh, that worked at Sherwin Williams. She was, a I don't know, uh, like a vice president or something. And she mentioned it to me. So I went through their, you know, management program and, and ended up, uh, being a, like a regional rep that looked at failures, basically if somebody paint peels off or yeah, something like that, I would go in, figure out whose fault it was, or, you know, if it was something related to the product or whatever. It wasn't prepped properly, right. too cold, right. whatever. Yeah. Right. But a, a big portion of it was sales. I mean, it was just keeping up with a, a book of clients and that type of stuff. So it was good to get, you know, and I, and I tell young people this all the time is, is, um, especially our interns that we have at work, basically that it's, it's so important that at some point in your growth up until your careers, let's have some career and some stint in a sales type position. Yeah. Because talk about that a lot, man. Yep. If you can learn to talk to people and to just carry on a conversation, yeah. they're going to buy something from you. So car, yeah, cars. I think that some of the best, um, traits you can learn is working for car dealership. For oh yeah. 18 yeah. months. Yeah. Yeah. You'll see ticked off customers. You'll see customers who think you walk on water. Right. The, the skills you build a negotiation table. You know, get some time in the service lane because nobody's happy in the service lane. Yeah, something broke. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if y'all you guys read a lot, but you know, just I, I got really big into reading books and and kind of uh, uh, different things about social intelligence, and that's what is huge with with sales. It's like you can read somebody and see yeah. what their needs are, what they want, and then you can kind of craft a conversation or. That's right. Something yeah. around that. The so, good, the good ones can guide those folks. Yes, yeah, however right. they want. Right. Right. Emotional right. intelligence the same Emotion, way. That's exactly yeah. right. Man. Sorry. So I, I did a stint in the car world. Uh, I was, it was a great time. I mean, it's a party if you get the right dealership too, because them <laughs> yeah. guys they don't care. They look like they have fun. But when it, I was so early in the car game that Grant Cardone was teaching sales for car dealerships. Okay, he was he had not bought his first. Duplex at that yeah, point. He now probably he's a real he, estate. He mobile, probably had bought some real estate, but he didn't realize that's where the money was yet. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, it, you would have to watch like five VHS tapes, and one of them's coffees for closers. You know, <laughs> if you got a cup of coffee in your hand, you better sold a car. But the, you're absolutely right when it comes to handling people and learning emotional intelligence and how to counter. Yeah, everything there's a counter for. Yeah, you're going to be sold on. And there's going to be a sales made every time. Either they're yep. going to sell you on the reason they can't buy, right. or you're going to sell it on the reason there's they a, should. I think there's right. a book called Sell or Be Sold, right? There's a sale made no matter what. Yeah. That's awesome. I agree with that. Yeah, so I guess going from there, um, I'm not a, I'm not a sales guy. I definitely not. not. But, I mean, I, I did well. I did very well with, with Sherwin-Williams, but I wanted to get back into more of the construction uh aspect when my my degree was in so uh went from there to um i saw an ad for a local company in westminster that did forensic engineering which i had no idea what that meant yeah but you knew it was in construction in some form or fashion right right they yeah they had you know a brief description of it but uh basically it was a it was a random guy in westminster that that moved there from north carolina and they do uh litigation related work related to construction. So if there's a, a failure 
related to a building or uh, insurance claim or something going on with a with a building failure, then his group would come in and figure out what happened and potentially whose fault it was. And, you know, they would testify about it. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like the whole paint peeled off and it shouldn't have, but on a bigger scale. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I kind of had a little bit of background. A lot in bigger it. scale. Yeah. And I, I think that's why he hired me is because I had that background um, with Sherwin Williams. So, um, yeah, he, he hired me basically as I, I think the my title was a technician at first. So basically I would come in and I'd do the field work. So I'd go out at these job sites or these uh, failures, take photographs, write reports, um, you know, and I'm basically supporting these professional engineers um, and basically cra- helping craft their opinion as to what yeah. happened and whose fault it was. What do they call that in the law world? Like almost like a paralegal. Paralegal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that it's, it's kind of like what, what, I, what I tell people today even is I'm kind of a translator between engineers and lay people or attorneys or whatever because if you met an engineer i mean no offense to them they're they're all super smart yeah. they have a degree in engineering but um sometimes there can be a little bit of a communication breakdown between somebody that has a degree in civil engineering or structural engineering and an attorney yeah because they, and vice versa sure, too yeah. the attorney is going to be sure. saying stuff that the engineers are like i don't I don't, right. I don't why does that even matter that's right to me so i kind of found a niche for myself kind of in between those two. And that's what, you know, um, Derek, the guy that, uh, Derek Hodgen, the guy that started the company kind of, um, <clears throat> keyed in on the fact that I could kind of be a, a go between. So I had really good relationships with these attorneys. Um, while my original, you know, role was just to kind of be a, a support role. I, I had really good relationships with these attorneys and I also could understand the engineering construction aspect of it. So I kind of, found this middle ground where I was needed yeah. and could support. Let me ask you this. How, how long had he had the business before you started? So he started in 03, and I went there in 15. So he had, Oh, so he'd had it for a while. Yeah, yeah. So it just it just it was just the 20, 20th anniversary last month, actually. Okay. We used their services on a building that we had purchased at Caved In. It was very interesting to watch them go through yeah. like – but it, it wasn't whose fault was it. It was the rain's fault. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the building fell in. And it was on Main Street, Wahala, a couple of blocks from here. But watching the process, I mean, it kind of felt like a CSI, not a CSE, because there is some science to what happens when accidents, unexpected things happen. Right. And, and the biggest thing in our world, and unfortunately there's a lot of people that do what we do that are uh, not straightforward and I guess kind of uh, – you know, or play into one side or the other. They they work for that all gray the, area. They yeah. work for all the insurance companies mm-hmm. or whatever. But you know, we we take pride in the fact that fifty percent of our clients are owners and fifty percent of our clients are attorneys. Yeah, you're on either both so sides. We work both sides of, of it. But um, what we try to do is kind of put blinders on. You know, when when something comes up, we we try to put blinders don't, on. And go don't don't tell me anything about the yeah. situation. We're just going to yeah. show up. Yeah. We're going to see what pokes right. up. We, we try to get you know background information about you know how the building is, you know, what what the situation was before incident or whatever. But at that point, we just kind of go in and, and put blinders on and say, you know, take photographs, make observations, and then kind of um, work in reverse and figure out, you know, what, what could have happened yeah. and what would have caused it. So. so now this, how do you guys get your business? Is it by word of mouth basically at this point? Yeah, we do. 
as close to zero marketing as you possibly could do. So people who have used you in the past yeah. or have heard of you or maybe, you know, cross pads at some point, they're like, when something happens, they're like, okay. It'd be very these- rare to run an ad for this company in Southern Living and think they're going to get a phone Well, that's, right. that's why I had to ask, like, how do you... industry-driven. You- yeah, any any marketing that we do, I guess you call it marketing, is education-based. Yeah, that makes sense. So we do a lot of um, webinars, um, a good bit of stuff like what we're doing right here, but we're talking to people about, you know, the top 10 things that lead to construction litigation. We have a, a I got a PowerPoint right now that we, sure. we, we roll that out all the time. Mark, throw that PowerPoint on the screen. <laughs> oh, Mark's, Mark's not here today. <laughs> but, okay. But, um, you know, most of our stuff is we're getting together with a bunch of attorneys, um, from all across, you know, South Carolina, North Carolina and, and, and discussing what we're seeing in the litigation world and what's causing owners to sue contractors for deficient work, that kind of stuff. And, and basically trying to educate attorneys and builders and those folks of, okay, if you don't want to get sued or you don't want to have a client that's being sued, these are the things you need to think about. Yeah. These are the, these are the right. main, main issues we find. So now, you th- go ahead. I was gonna say, are these attorneys, are you basically just cold calling these attorneys saying, Hey, look, we got this, We've got some education that we'd love to spill on you guys in hopes that one day if they do have a client, you'll call on us. Yeah, you'll call on us type of deal. No, or? we don't. I mean, I don't I don't call or, or solicit any business. Mostly it's, um, you know, associations or industry groups of, of attorneys in, in specific areas that call us and say, hey, you do work for us all the time. We know you guys do a good job. We want you to give a presentation on gotcha. X, Y, or Z. So, Are they calling you to put a suit on and sit on the stand and say, Hey, here's our findings. So not me specifically. So I, I do, I haven't testified in trial me particularly. Um, sure. Cause basically I support our, uh, office, which it consists of four professional engineers that, you know, that, that they're the ones that are testifying. They're the ones that are doing these things. So in the state of South Carolina, North Carolina, wherever you have to, uh, most of the time, you, to be qualified as an expert, which that's what they do in trial or, right. or whatever, you have to be a, um, a design professional, which is a professional engineer or a registered architect. Yeah, and I would think, too, to testify as a, as a professional engineer, you can't just be a professional engineer. You also have to have those skills that it takes to sit in front of a jury. Totally. And then persuade them, you know, even... Even if the it's facts, not your job to persuade even, the jury. Well, your just job is to provide the facts of but the structure, pa- provide them in a way that they can understand. Fair, you know that's the persuasion part. I guess that mm-hmm. I was speaking of. But like, if you just came in there and said, "No, I guarantee, one hundred percent, it happened because of this," because of you know, you start throwing out all this object gibberish. <laughs> right. Nobody's gonna know what you're talking about, and they're gonna be like, "I don't know." Yeah, you got to yeah. be able to convey that in a way where they understand. Right, you got you got to be able to tell the story. Yeah, and that's the thing that a lot of engineers and architects, um, you know, they're, they're wanting to. Okay, well, here's the process to fix it, but explaining it to lay people on a jury or attorneys or whatever can be difficult because there's a, a little bit of a communication breakdown between somebody talking about, you know, calculus to, uh, yeah. you know, somebody that maybe a stay home mom or you know or sure. somebody yeah, yeah. works on a. So it's it's, it's different, but um, and, and there's been. You know, I've hired a couple people now since I've taken over management of our our branch that they're incredible engineers or architects 
and they have a huge laundry list of projects they've worked on or whatever, they get in front of an attorney asking them questions about, okay, you know. Um, They're did, grilling them on something. Yeah. And, and, I mean, you guys have been around attorneys or you know attorneys, and, and they're great people, but they're doing their job mm-hmm. in basically trying to disqualify you. And so to be able to yeah. to counter that, you know, it takes somebody that, that has confidence. That's the most thing. Oh, yeah. It's just somebody that's really confident. It'll, it'll freak somebody out. A deposition will change your life. It is. I mean, I, I like I said, I haven't testified, but I've been deposed, I don't know, five or six times on cases we worked on. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's starting to happen a lot more now. But, um, yeah, it's it's a different it's a different experience. Yeah, they're trying to drill you. Yeah. Yeah. They've got, a, you, they've got a goal, and your team has a goal. Yes. Right? Yeah. But in this Although, case, you're just the, you're just the, yeah. the factual. But they see you as the opponent, even though you're supposed right. to be right in the center. Right. And, you, you know, you probably walk in there thinking, right. no, I'm just going to tell you how this works. Yeah. doesn't matter. They see you as the opponent. They're going to try to. That's right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it can be difficult. Um, basically, the, the toughest thing is, is and, and I will say this, is, is the construction side of litigation, or I guess the the construction litigation compared to others like a personal injury type situation or fraud or whatever? A little, a little more cut and dry. It's a lot more friendly, yeah. uh, you know. I mean, we do have some, you know, pretty tense situations, but most of the time, it's a very small group. We, you know, most of the attorneys that depose me or depose anybody that works at our office. We're all we're also working for them on other cases, yeah. so they can't really say a whole lot. Like you know, we we trust you enough to work on this case, but we're going to try to say you don't know what you're talking about on this one. So yeah. not everything you do requires a court case, though, right? No, no, not at all. Most of them are. Um, I would say the majority of them. Well, m- most of them are in litigation. Yeah, they are in active litigation, but most of them don't go to trial. They all most of them settle. You lay out the facts, and then people look at it and go. So how many jobs, and you're not CSE anymore, correct? Right, yeah. So as of the 20th anniversary, right. I guess a, a couple weeks ago, um, Derek, the guy that started the company, has kind of moved into a semi-retired role. So he's kind of a sub-consultant for sure. us. Um, Congratulations, Derek. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's done well. He's, he did Good a great job. Um, but basically, we we have transitioned into taking our parent company's name, REI Engineers, out of Charlotte, I mean, out of Raleigh, North Carolina, excuse me. <clears throat> and um, so we, we're, we're going by the name of REI Engineers now. But um, we, uh, in, our, in our parent company, which I do, I, I would like to at least mention, what they do is nothing like we, what we do. Basically, they, they are um, what you would call building envelope consultants or um, they, they do more design work. So if a school is doing a re-roofing project or anything related to the skin of the building, that's okay. the building envelope or the building right. enclosure, right. they would approach us or have some kind of uh, indefinite delivery contract with us. So they would come in. Um, they said they wanted to replace uh, the roof on this school. We would They would come in and, and design the the new roof that's going on and, and put that's that totally out. different than what you've been doing for yeah. the, for what Derek's been doing the past twenty years. It's a totally different concept. Totally. So it's, you're 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 laying out the the fix before it happens exactly. instead of trying to reverse engineer yeah. of why it happened. So yeah. now did they buy you interesting to broaden their scope of business? Yeah. So the president of REI Engineers, a guy named Scott Hinesley, he uh he, he and Derek uh 
we often cross paths because we we do a lot of roof work, uh, a lot of building and closure work. That's the majority of what we do is stuff related to leaks or, you know, roof collapses or damage or whatever. So we run in a lot of the same circles. So um, I think Derek approached Scott or vice versa at one point, and um, they started the discussion about it. And the, the cool thing about REI is they're uh, ESOP, which is a oh, yeah. it's an employee. I don't know what ESOP stands for. Uh, employee share owner program or something exactly. like that. That's exactly right. Um, but basically, so it, it, if you're employee, you're employee. You owner. hand the company over to the vested employees. Yeah. Is, it, is Blue Ridge like that? I don't. I don't know. Blue I think Ridge it Bank. Is. It's a co-op. They call it a co-op, which is yeah. maybe Blue, a little bit different, Blue, but Blue totally Ridge. different. Totally oh, different. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Co-op, ESOP is totally different. So, so what happens is an owner will get to – he has two choices. He can sell his company. Or he can hand out shares. He can ESOP it. The tax benefits, Yeah, it's the smartest play for an owner if you don't want to check. Gotcha. Right. You, Your tax you sell benefits by ESOPing. And not only are you giving literally a percentage of your company to the employees, right? you're saving so much money at the taxable event. Not only that, those employees – they now, deserve it. Well, they deserve it, and <laughs> yeah. they work a little different when they know it's their company. They work a lot different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just an added, huge added benefit. It's like having an extra 401k. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's basically what it is from a- Well, you take some and, pride in, in the company well, itself. Well, ESOP yeah. as, a, as a whole decides they want to sell the company. Yeah. Everybody wins. Like, it, right. it's, it's, it's a win-win if, if you don't want the lump sum. Yeah. That's right. Cool. Now- I, you know, after the break, I want to get, maybe get into some stories of some stuff you've worked on. Um, how many jobs do you have going on in given oh twelve months? Like, well, today, how many? How many different so jobs just, do y'all working? I just at? printed a project list today, um, and this is it's not it's not a compared to like an average engineering firm or construction company or whatever. I bet we have one hundred and fifty active projects. And now y'all are y'all regional, national. Global. So, and, you know, I didn't mention that earlier. I'd say 90% of our work is coastal South Carolina. Okay. So, Charles, and you're an upstate company? Yeah, yeah. So when Derek started the company, he moved from Charleston, I believe, up this way. Um, I think, you know, real estate obviously was a lot cheaper. So, it, sure. you know, he could move to Westminster. He bought a nice— uh, I love the building you're in, Westminster. Oh, yeah. Have you been there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. He definitely up. Uh, Upfitted it well, and it's old dentist office. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, he, I think, I think the main goal was to move up here and find a a location that was close to a research university. Oh, cool! So if we have anything, any kind of testing related to you know structural, you know wood issues or whatever, Clemson obviously has a huge engineering department, so we can we can utilize them for that kind of stuff. We don't do it a lot, but we have in the past. Um, so I think that was part of the idea behind it, but, um, also, I mean, just to be honest, uh, added benefit of, of being further away from your jobs is we can bill for travel. So <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. So, um, so, uh, we bill mileage and, and time. I mean, our time is portal. That's portal. Right. So, yeah. um, we're billing clients to go to a job and come all the way home. Yeah. So if I'm going to Myrtle beach for a job, I've got, 10 hours in travel. So, yeah. well, and you can, you can live in my personal opinion, you can live in a better location. Yeah. Oh, it's cheaper. 
and then they're going to pay you to travel anyway, so it doesn't matter. Company needs to buy a plane. Yeah, and the coast is great to visit. I don't know about living down there. I'd move. I'd, uh, I'd I know sell you it would, all. but you you would listen. We could go down a rabbit hole in that. We could, but, <clears throat> but not on the coast of South Carolina. Yeah, but speaking I, speaking of the plane thing, we do we do utilize um, that as well. We had a company plane sure. um, up until I don't say last year, or the year before. Derek uh, had a separate company that owned a like an aviation company that owned the plane. <clears throat> but um, you lease it back to the company. Yeah, yeah. Derek's a smart cat. Yeah, yeah. He, he's y'all need to talk. Hey, we need to have him on the podcast. Yeah, he, he's uh, he's smart about stuff like that. But um, basically, uh, we would kind of run the numbers as to how long we'd be spending on a job, what our hourly rate is, and if it would be more efficient for the client to pay for us to do a private right. private airfare versus driving. Because if you're paying you know, our, our professional engineers rate at two twenty five an hour. I mean, do you want to pay 10 hours travel, you yeah. know, or you want to fly? Let me tell you, if I get disposed, uh, deposed, not disposed, if I get deposed, <laughs> I hope you don't get somebody, disposed. Somebody's paying my air yeah. travel, you know what I mean? All right, so real quick, before we go to break, you had mentioned that uh, there was several things that you guys find as failure points that keep coming up over and over and over again. We got a lot of real estate guys on the listen to the podcast. Can you name just a couple of those? Yeah. I mean, it, it's really not, I, I, don't, I hate to use the cliche word of sexy for that, but it's sure. really not. I yeah. mean, it's probably but, like water. I would and, guess. And I know there's this old adage people say is like 99% of most of the stuff we do is dealt with water intrusion. I mean, that's what starts litigation. That's what starts damage, rot, everything. But 99% of water intrusion occurs at, one percent of the building envelope so um that that's kind of a, something i've heard a long time yeah. ago that, that makes sense but really the, the thing that's gotten worse and worse and worse with it is the um i mean back in the day all these buildings and you look at up and down main street everything's brick right you go to downtown clemson and look at these apartments that are being built they've got brick they've got Hardy, stucco, stucco. They've got vinyl. They've got yeah, fifteen different types of, of cladding is what they call it. Mm-hmm. It's basically the the veneer on a building, and they're all mashed together. Yeah, so you got a bunch of so flashing all, and all kinds of stuff. That- exactly, and, and flashing is a word that's used hundred times a day in our world because oh, it's yeah. where all those things interact. That's where, that's where the problems. That's where the leaks. No, we in. we see it all the time in demos of these old buildings, like the building that we're sitting in now. It's built in eighteen ninety one. Yeah, like, I don't even know that flashing was a big deal no, back no. then. They didn't use flashing; they used like mud. Well, it didn't have to be. And it's crazy because you buy the building, you start gutting it, you're trying to modernize it by today's codes. And I wish the people that wrote codes would would remodel an eighteen ninety one building. Yeah, because sometimes those worlds they just they don't mix. Yeah. Right? But we do the best we can with it, so I get it. We'll talk more with Josh Lusk and REI Engineers right after this break. Thanks, guys. Let's face it. Shopping for insurance can be time-consuming. When it comes to your auto and home insurance needs, make things simple and trust your Allstate experts. They will help you get the coverage that fits your needs while helping you bundle your auto and home. Bundling saves money, sure, but it also saves you time. So you can enjoy the things that matter most even more. Contact Clemson Allstate agent Shane Smith at 864-654-1047 today for a free personalized insurance proposal. Allstate, are you in good hands? And we're back with Josh Lusk and REI Engineering. 
Is that, am I getting that right? REI Engineering? REI Engineers. Yeah, yes. REI Engineers. So before the break, we were talking about our fail points. Number one fail point is water. Yep. Rainwater, leaky pipe water, whatever the case may be. What are some of the other things that you're seeing that was just like, what? let me, let me rephrase that. Have you ever gone to a site and went, really? Oh, yeah, all the time. Give me an example of what that looks like. So, I don't know. I mean, I think I think a lot of the times when you go to sites like that, it's it's usually a um, situation where you've got a multifamily type construction oh. and you've got a bunch of residential subcontractors that did it, that, that are used to working on single family homes and they're trying to put a bunch of units together like a, a bunch of, you know, townhomes or condos or whatever. And when you put all those things together, you know, they, there's connection points, basically. That's right. You know, they, they got to meet up somewhere. Right. And usually that's where the problems are. Um, other stuff that we've looked at, you know, not related to water. Um, and most of the stuff's kind of worked out over time. But um, <clears throat> a, a big a big thing that used to be a, a problem was synthetic stucco, which is uh, people call it EFS, EFIS. Um, that type thing. So you, I've got it on my house. Well, we just bought a house a couple weeks ago. Um, it's basically, you look at it from the outside, it looks like traditional stucco that you'd see. It's got some foam, anywhere. A foam but in it. Basically, it's it's like a styrofoam cup behind it. Yeah, lake house. Is that what it is? Yeah, so we were going to replace lake house with our hardy board. And uh, you can't because it's a million micro beads of styrofoam, yeah. like four by eight sheets of styrofoam. Like if you really wanted to, yeah. you could stick a crowbar all the way from my That's outside right. into my living room. That must be like a southern thing because for sure, my dad was gonna buy out here or or build or something, and someone had told him don't buy anything with stucco. Yeah, so it's it's it was an epidemic basically of from a construction standpoint for years. Um, I think it started in Europe. I don't know, probably in the 70s. And in Europe, it worked out great because they had basically uh, CMU or concrete walls, and they put this insulation and the synthetic stucco on the outside. So it didn't really matter. Fine. But then, you know, uh, got salesmen in the U.S. got a hold of it, and they're like, okay, we're going to put this on a wood frame structure. Mm -hmm. And they had no way for the water to to exit that if it got behind, if it got behind it right which, I can tell you this I got the coolest house in the summer and the warmest house in the winter yeah oh it does it does like it's good. like quadruple yeah. insulation that you couldn't that Hardy Board would never ever accomplish yeah yeah and it does a great job but uh, if you've got a, multiple penetrations windows that type yeah. stuff in it that's that's the failure points and that's when it can be a problem but they they've come a long way with that type. Um, system and the fact that now they've made it drainable so it basically is that that insulation and then behind that you've got a drainage plane for any water that gets past that uh, stucco or the the veneer it can still make it out it, it can can drain out the bottom yeah. so um it, it's actually one of the best systems out there now but insurance uh folks and attorneys are so scared of it because it's it's caused so much problem because you go down to the low country in Charleston and, and places like that, that that had the original version of it, I mean, you wouldn't see anything wrong until, until the entire house was rotten from the inside out 
with termites and damage and things like that. And I mean, I, I looked at how if, if you're familiar with Mount Pleasant, there's a a huge neighborhood down there called Ion. It's uh, it's right off the bridge into Mount Pleasant, and a lot of those houses had um, synthetic stucco or some of them had you know traditional stucco. <clears throat> but um, you know, I've seen tons of houses in there that that basically from the outside look completely fine and we'll cut you know one foot by one foot panels off of it you look behind it and it looks like it's been on fire because of all the rot and damage it's getting ready so to fall in black yeah it's soft awful. yeah it's awful so but that's a small scale of what you do right yeah the mdus the little you know there's no hurricane straps here that that's that's the lowest level you do skyscraper work no um yeah Lar- large scale jobs we, we don't do a lot of anything you know um that you would see in like a, a major metro area. I, mean, I think most of the stuff we do is they're not calling you guys on nine eleven. <laughs> no, I mean they're calling somebody that does what we do, okay. but just you not know, y'all. But just not. I and mean, did they find did, did that that company find out that it actually got demoed or did a plane really hit the plane? Oh, don't ask me that. There's a guy that works for me, John. He's, I'm just saying it doesn't make sense. I'm just saying there's a guy that works for me, John Wiley. He's a so his his undergrad was in physics and his his graduate degree was in structural engineering from nc state which is one of the best structural engineering mm. schools in the country and he swears this day that it didn't fall in going, by itself something's yeah. going on but I, I don't know enough about it because so, it depends on how uh, it's built yeah now i mean i don't i don't I want to break off too far but my f- father actually had a slate roofing business out yeah. in california for years and for anybody that knows anything about slate you just don't put that on a normal house like right. they're usually really, really big. They have to be engineered to hold that much weight on right. the roof. A lot of weight. Yeah. So he was a part of a uh, lawsuit towards the end of his career. I think you've told me about this before. Yeah. And it was a deal, and 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 the, I didn't even know this existed. And I kind of that's what I want to get your opinion on. Basically, what happened was that he they built the house the way that the architect wanted it built, and it had in wall gutters. The way I understood it, okay. internal gutters. gutters, yeah, 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 which is like you very know, Roman. He was trying to be fancy, yeah. The way I looked yeah. at it. So anyway, they were leaking, and some there were some issues, and they came through and sued every subcontractor on right. that job. It didn't matter what they did; they sued everybody. And so they, you know, my dad was freaking out. They take him to court. I installed the dog food bowls. Yeah. I got sued. yeah, yeah. The way he made it sound, that's yeah. how it happened. Okay, and so they get to court and. What the, what they told him? So he was rep, he had a his insurance company basically gave him a lawyer or whatever to represent him or a couple lawyers to represent him, and they were like, "Listen, don't worry about this. They're not coming after your personal assets. They want the insurance money. Right? It's right. an insurance job. These people do this all the time. Sure, they come in there. They just basically put everybody on this group, this class action lawsuit or whatever right. it is. They have to, and they just make bank on this deal, regardless of what part you had in it." Because what was cool about it was he had also put slate on a guest house that didn't have the internal gutters. And he was like, look, that one doesn't leak. We built this one the exact same way, you know. So you guys, I'm not going to ask if you see stuff like that, but I mean, is I guess that kind of stuff happens where that is there's the, money in the game. No, that is the world that I live in. Okay. It's, so, a, it, it's actually the world we all live in. Yeah. This is America. You get sued for anything. Basically, um, and, and that's why we have business, basically, is is if you have insurance and there is a dispute from a construction litigation standpoint, you are gonna be you're gonna be in the game uh, until 
your attorney, you know, does their job or we do our job to get you out. And that's basically why we're hired is, you know, I mean, I get three, I got three or four calls a day from uh, attorneys that are defending subcontractors like your dad um, that, that are brought into a lawsuit that may or may not have some contribution to the damage or whatever happened, but um, they're, they're hired by his insurance company to, uh, you know, figure out what went wrong. And then the insurance company, uh, I mean, the attorney in turn will, will hire us yeah. to, to to take it from there and, and figure out what exposure they have or what, you know, what goes wrong from there. What, what he made it sound like was, because my dad was freaking out. You know, he thought he was going to lose everything. Yeah. And the insurance, the, the attorney was like, listen, they're just coming after the insurance money. It's all about the policy money. Yeah. It's all about the That's policy right. money. They're going to get as much as they possibly can. Yeah. That's right. We we went against it, and and from the other side, we had to fight against the insurance company uh, when we went through our, right. our demo because they didn't want to pay. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And it, it's it's nobody's fault. It's almost an act of God sort of thing. Would you consider yourself in the service industry? I would say so. Yeah, I, mean, I would say so as well. Except uh, you've heard of the the term coined uh, service after the sale. That's kind of yeah. That's kind of yeah. you. It's after everything is done. Right. Something happens. You're a service to the customer. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think, um, I mean, a big portion of our work is directly to owners of buildings, too. So I think that would definitely be more characterized towards the, you know, service industry rather than, you know, like a support type deal from a litigation standpoint. I know a great <clears throat> side hustle for you, Josh. What's that? I'm, I'm ready. Ready for side hustle? You're going to love this. Okay. You know, if, if you're not mechanically inclined, and you want to buy a used diesel, you're going to grab your local mechanic and say, come look at this truck before I drop 40 grand. He's going to tell you all what's wrong with it. If we wanted to buy an MDU or an apartment complex, yeah, we should be able to hire him to say, can you go through this thing? Kind of like the inspector, but, That's right. but on a high level. That's right. Yeah. Well, there, there's definitely people out there, and they call them their due diligence people. I mean, that's well, what they do. I, that's your side. We'll take 10% for yeah. coming up with the idea. <laughs> we'll even give you a job. Yeah. <laughs> we going to start this thing? You're going to knock 10% off of the work we need. Free. Dude, we came oh, up free. with it. And, and, I mean, we've been, I've, I've been approached several times by. Do you uh, do stuff like that? Yeah. Um, okay. It's, it's, um, oh, it's not high liability, but it's fairly low fee. I mean, it's not, um, as lucrative as the litigation work. I mean, you're not charging enough. Yeah. I mean, the, the litigation work, I mean, when you're working for an attorney, you're basically, um, you're, you're billing a, a fee similar to what an attorney would bill. Yeah. So. And you're down when you're in the litigation, it's the brass tax time versus pre. Everybody's getting yeah. paid regardless of the outcome. Right. But I mean, it's like crunch time. Like everybody's like, no, we got to get this done versus before you buy. It's like, eh. Well, I mean, you look at it this way, you're up against a, you know, you, say you were, you installed the windows on a multifamily, you know, apartment complex, um, and then you're sued as a sub, you know, basically the, the owner sues the general contractor, and the general contractor turns around and sues all the subs, just like you were talking about with your dad. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the the attorney for the window installer will, will hire us, and, you know, they've got an exposure or demand from the, the general contractor to, you know, pay $500,000 for them to pay us, you know, $50,000. Yeah. It's way less to, to, um, and investigate it and basically hopefully reduce their exposure. Sure. 
it, it's worth that. Um, yeah. Not that, you know, I mean, we, we tell it like it is. So if, yeah, they, so if, if they, we go out there and they're like, yeah, you got really screw this up, then it is what it is. But I mean, then we tell them that up front, you know, you're paying this fee and most of our work, you know, I, I give guys, the attorneys and the owners or whatever, basically a, a range of, you know, I'm expecting to put this many hours in, but really this is, you know, we're, we're paying hour, we're paid hourly. Yeah. So it's, it's really how much ever time we put in for whatever you ask us to do. So have you ever had a circumstance where you, somebody hired you to come out, look at something, mm-hmm. they disagreed with your outcome and then you basically switch sides Mm-hmm. You basically was so funny. You're asking that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I had one last year and this is ongoing. I won't really talk about the specific location or whatever, but um, we were hired. Um, you know, like I told you we, we're kind of 50, 50 working on both sides, owners and um, defense, I guess you would say. Sure. <clears throat> but um, I guess it was probably five, six years ago. Um, I was called by a plaintiff attorney Um and there's a, a neighborhood um, in the low country. And we came out there, and, and they had some significant issues. Um, it, the main main issue was related to uh, adhered masonry veneer, which is like uh, what you see on houses today. You don't see actual big stones being on the side of yeah. a house. You see this, they call it lick and stick stone, basically. Yeah. But it's this, They've got it where you can nail that shit on now, too. Yeah, yeah. So this is just that, that, that thin veneer stone that basically they – they put a bed of mortar and they kind of just stick it in there and it's it's stacked. a fascia. Yeah. Yeah. So um it the stuff was falling off everywhere. And and the problem was it was kind of a it was four foot down to the ground. Everything above that was hardy or vinyl, I can't remember. But they didn't put flashing in on top of the stone to let water out. So all that water was going in behind the stone, making it fall off. Right. Mm. So we came in and wrote a report, did, did a huge investigation, and basically told them, you know, the stone on all this property has to be taken off and put back on with flashing know, the right way. Yeah. Um, found some stuff. We, we expanded it. Our investigation did, you know, found some minor problems with the roofs and, and the siding and, and other stuff. But basically, you know, limited our report to the stuff that really needed to be fixed. Well, um, the property management and the HOA uh, for that that development, um, I guess they they saw dollar signs or whatever, so they um, ended up firing that attorney, hired a new attorney who came out and did an investigation and said all the siding and everything and the roofing and everything needs to be taken off all the way to the framing. Everything needs to be put back, you know. So that that basically multiplied it by a factor of ten from a repair standpoint from what actually needed to be done. And so the defense attorneys that, that worked for those contractors deposed me and a couple other guys from our office and, and basically on what we did. And, um, you know, basically we, we, t- we told them and they used our our report as a defense for their case. So yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Yes. You're recession-proof. That, oh, yeah, 100%. That, that industry is recession-proof. Well, it, I, it is recession-proof. It is, it is, except for when building slows down. It's still recession-proof because buildings fall in. Well, and right, it, I mean, I, I don't know because I haven't worked there through a exact recession, but um, I know from what I've heard that some of the biggest years that they had were in recessions, like 2010, 
and all that stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. people were suing and needed money. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you mentioned, I don't know if it was on the podcast or on the break, you're a big reader. Yeah. So you, read, you read a lot of books. You, you take in a lot of content, right? What kind, what kind of books are you reading? Are they self-help? Are they fictional? Are they romance novels? Like Twilight. What do you read? <laughs> I'm really Twilight. You just said Twilight. <laughs> Bella. I've never read them. That's all the movie. I never read the book. I, really quick. We went to the beach a couple weeks ago, and Heather read three books while we were there. What? And I'm like, how in the hell did you do that? Smarter than me. I was like, I, she is definitely smarter than me. And I was like, I, there's no way I could do that. I couldn't read a whole book straight through. I just get, I don't know if it's bored's the right word. She's like, you're just not reading the right books. And I said, all right, that's a challenge. Fair enough. I was like, you get to pick the book. You better pick the best. You pick the best book you can Whoa. find. What? One of those books you can't put down. What? And I'll read it, and we'll see if you're like right. Like a fiction, not even like a. See, everything I read is self self help, right? Or yeah. some kind of you know. I'm learning from it. I'm like, no, you can pick whatever you want. It could be a what a Twilight. Did she pick out? Not yet, but we'll have to. Read oh, it. I can't wait. We'll to have hear to revisit and see if it. Is actually one of those that I can't put down. So, Josh, what's the last book you read? I'm a, I'm a big Audible guy. What's the last book you listed? I I, I consume content the same way. I can't read. So I've I got, mean, I can read. <laughs> <laughs> I can read. I can't. I, read. I can't. I I'll be asleep after third page, man. Yeah, like, I was looking at. I was looking it up. Oh, but I spent a lot of time on the road, so we. I just pop up. Back then, we had CD players in our vehicles. Oh my gosh! <laughs> right. Pop in a CD. So I'm, you know. I'm big into. This is like totally my dad coming out at me, but I'm beginning to like the CIA, um, like conspiracy theory, like the uh, off books contractor guy that saves the world kind of guy. But okay, that's my thing now. So that's cool. Yeah, but um, as far as like self help stuff, um, we were talking about emotional intelligence sure. earlier. Um, the the coolest book that I've ever read related to that is from a guy named Seth Godin. Oh yeah, Seth's awesome. Yep. If you don't if you don't subscribe to his daily, it's phenomenal stuff. Tell yeah. the listeners the book. Oh, oh you got to look it up. Yeah, he's Seth a, is great. Though. He's a good author. Yeah, he's a good speaker. Um, That's one. He's one of the ones I used to love on Twitter because he would post like these. Twi- these Twitter threads that would I tell you who I'm into you now think. is Jordan Peterson. Lynchpin. He's good too. What is it? Lynchpin. Lynchpin by Seth. Yeah, it's gotcha. like it's like almost a, a bunch of small stories and thoughts that he put into one book, but it's all it's just this big conglomeration of what he thinks about life and uh, you know, emotional, social intelligence and interaction yeah, yeah. with people. Yeah. Um, but he's He's in a different world as far as just yeah. He's a knowing th- people. He's definitely what do they call it? like a a thinker? Yeah, yeah. What, they call they call it something like a I, don't, I can't you know. If you read if you read the, his book, you and and you have any kind of business sense or any kind of you know drive to you know manage people or anything like that, you'll be like get fired up. Yeah, because I mean. Just, he just he sees things from a different light. Yeah. And I, I think it's it's pretty good. Jordan Peterson, he's he's a very uh not necessarily business. Same kind of mindset though, same kind of thought. Like I literally watched something with him today and he was talking about um well when we get deep on this, but it was we like can. it was this, like the series on Exodus. 
No, this was more like, uh, you know, the fact that that men and women are supposed to be together. Oh, right, right, But it's a social thing, and, like, women are actually driven to mate with high-influence males, Mm -hmm. and, like, he went deep. But it all of it makes a ton of sense. He's such a smart guy. Yeah. When you talk about short stories like you were, um, I never read a book of short stories until the song November Rain came out by Guns N' Roses. You remember that song? Oh, yeah. Loved it. Big piano. The whole album. Wasn't it a whole album? Church. It was on the Use Your Illusion albums, one and two. I thought it was, right? I thought they had a, oh, yeah, you're right. Go ahead. And so Slash is in front of the church doing his solo. What yep. Come to find out, Slash was scared to death of the helicopter, and he was like, I never opened my eyes during the whole <laughs> thing. I was scared to death. They moved the church from another location just to the middle of the desert for this solo. But I watched a documentary on Axel, and he was, how'd you come up with the song November Rain? I read a, a, a book called The Language of Fear by Dale James, and it's like 16 short stories. So read, I, was, I was heavy into drugs, I was doing this, and I just read the whole song around that book. So you read that book? And it's just a bunch of short stories. I was in a weird time in my life. And, you know, I lo- Who doesn't love Guns N' Roses, Every right? time of your life is a weird time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Today especially. Um, but yeah, so it's weird to see. Like I, Some people say short stories, I think Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of way different. No, you're but right. I get it. No, I'm not a... What's the last book you read? Oh, I've, I've read a ton of books. The last, last one. one. The last one I read was a real estate book around commercial real estate. Uh, Manny, gosh, what was his name? Wrote it. I don't, what's crazy about that story, though, is that I started reading it and realized I had already read it. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like I watch like a movie have, and you're like, I remember that scene. Yeah. Well, and usually what I'll do is if I pick up a book that I've bought, because I'll usually buy a bunch and then kind of go through them as I have time. But I'll usually look to see if I have like earmarks in there or whatever where I've folded the pages down or whatnot. And this one, for whatever reason, didn't look like I had. So I was like, hell, I'm going to read it. And this guy is a big uh, commercial real estate guy. He buys the 15-story buildings or bigger or whatever. He's that guy. And so I was like, I took it to the beach. I was like, I'm going to read this. And I got about halfway through, and, and then I started seeing, like, folds. I, and I was like, what this. the hell? I've already read this. I get that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, this is the thing you'll find. If you're new to real estate, all that stuff's interesting. Mm-hmm. Once you've kind of been in it for a while, and you've, and you've heard it, and you've read it, and you've listened to it, it's the same thing over and over and over again. The game, the game plan of real estate is super easy. Mm-hmm. Right? Everybody's going to talk. You can't get that far outside of the game plan. Everybody's going to talk about the same thing. That's right. That's right. And then like action. Basic principles are basic principles. That's right. Doesn't yep. matter. And then action kicks in. So like. You just write a better story around it. That's right. So when I'm reading it, you know, it all sounded the same as everything else I've ever learned. Right. So I didn't realize I'd already read it until I got, until I started seeing the full marks and the pages. And I was like, I've totally read this already. The last book I read was um, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Yeah. And a, I didn't even read it. You got a book report. I gave it to our intern. Y'all no. Okay. Yeah. I gave it to I'm our, sure some somewhere down the line we probably are. I gave it to our intern, Mark, and I uh, said, read this book. Write me a book report. So <laughs> technically I read yeah. it. I read I've, his book report. I have the which book. Which was phenomenal. What's the I, name of it? Never split the difference. It's, yeah. He was a former FBI negotiator. Okay. And so he's, and he turned it into how to structure the deal. Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay. So he used to negotiate hostage. It's an awesome angle. He's talk to, about emotional intelligence. This guy's the epitome of yep. of, of that. How to he, read people. He negotiated hostage situations. That's what he did. 
and it's never split the difference. Right. Like when you're trying to save somebody. Well, it's any real estate deal it we've is. ever done. You're right. And it's I have a hostage situation. Yeah. I have the book and I read about the first third. I sent you the book report from Mark. I know. I'm, I haven't read that yet, but what? I'm going to read it. The third counts. It's okay. Mark, if you're listening to this, you're going to have to get on Kyle, read your book report. <laughs> I sent it to him. I sent it to him, brother. All right. But uh, good job on that. So, what'd you listen to on the way here? I'll wait. I ask every guest. Uh, so, I'm on the. So, I'm, I was looking at. Uh, let's see. Jack Slater is the author. Jack oh, Slater. Book, book. He's talking about books still. Oh, okay. Did you say book? Yeah. He's talking no, about I music. Said music, but te- go ahead. Oh, let's, music? Let's, let's hear Jack Slater. I can pull up music too. He was also, wasn't that Arnold Schwarzenegger's character in True Lies, I think? It was a Jack Slater. He was a movie character. Was it True Lies? Yeah. Yeah. Where the kid sneaks in the movie theater, comes out, Jack Slater. That's a great show, T. True Lies. Old school. Soundtrack is a killer. Music a was Red Stray Clay, Red Clay Strays. There you go. You want you want a little? Is that bluegrass? Is that? No, we can't listen to it. We'll we'll infringe on copyright. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> but we can we Check can drop out. the They're name. Good. Red Stray Clays. Yeah, I think it's folky. It's like a Tower yeah. Childress meets Hootie yeah. the Blowfish. Yeah, I mean that's everything now, right? So, um, yeah, it's more. Uh, We're gonna get Darius on the podcast. Let's do it. Should do it. Yeah. Just don't let him talk about South Carolina sports. Is he not a fan? No, he's a Gamecock game through and oh, through. Oh, yeah. You can talk about it. I don't care. Yeah, right now, I I, th- I saw a post. Well, I think Stacy Jackson posted. He's like, I don't think even Clemson and Carolina should play this year. They should all get together for a cookout. They both suck. Yeah, like, Listen, this is – no. I don't want to get too far down this, but I don't think Clemson sucks. I think they've just had some shitty plays. I love the bandwagon. I love the Clemson fans are like, Dabo, you got to get on. Like, well, I'm not a Clemson – Every yeah. sports team has these people. But I look back, though, Clemson's outplayed every team they've lost. You look at yards, you look at... They did not play NC State last weekend. It, with all, I don't know about last week because I don't know right. that actual right. game, but they outplayed Florida State, they outplayed... If Miami, they did, they like, would have won. No, you just when you when you drive it all the way down the field and then you fumble it on the five-yard line before you score... Then it's brutal. At the end of the day... What does it matter? The, the, well, at the hey, end of the fourth quarter, who's take, high on the let, scoreboard? Let's take this into business. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I knew it you were going to. Let's it, go. It doesn't. No, I, I yeah, agree with you. That's exactly right. I agree right. with you. If you take that deal almost to closing and I don't care fumble, how smart you were and how how creative you got yep. to structure the deal. If you didn't close it, you didn't do it that's good right. enough. Amen to that. You You're lost. Right. So they deserve what they have, but that doesn't mean they're a shitty team yeah. is what I look at it. I think they just I, need to figure out how to close the deal, and especially from Clemson fans, are like, "That was the greatest. We're never champions. I, I, We're three times." I, I think he's great. And now they're like, "Well, he sucks. No. He needs to make major change. Let Dabo play his own that's game." That's right. That's right. The band can have a bad year. Nobody tells you you're a how bad many years, parent. How many years are we in now since he took over? He took over when I was at Clemson, so 2009. The man can have a bad year. Yeah. Okay. He could have a bad couple years. He could have a bad couple years, yes. So here's my thoughts on that. I I think the biggest problem I have with fans is, like, they're so in the moment. You're right. And you can't. Band, wagon. You cannot. I mean, if you've ever played any competitive sport, you have to understand it's like there's going to be ebbs and flows. 100%. And the world we're living in now is like. Instant gratification. Yeah. It's just, it's awful. And and they've got all these. NIL stuff with 
paying players and Finally. portals and yep. which I don't have a problem with any of that stuff, but it's like they just threw it all in there and, and had no way to organize it. And and I think it's it's been good to kind of level the playing field a little bit, but at the same point, I, I I couldn't imagine being a coach in college sports right now because it's like you don't know who's gonna be there tomorrow. It's unless like, unless you're Saban. Yeah. Saban, he's having not a great year this year too though. Doesn't so. matter he's Saban. He ain't gonna be there much longer. We'll see. And I can't stand them, so I'm not rooting yeah. for him. But I mean, I was a Les Miles fan. I'm back just in saying, the day. Saban could take them to multiple national championships, be number one for years, and two years of bad, see what happens. And that's not good. I'm not. I'm not advocating for that. I'm just saying, like that's that's the world we live in. It's like well, Saban's gonna retire, right, at some point from Alabama. They gonna hire Dabo. Now, with Dabo being, <laughs> listen to me. I hope not. I love Dabo, that's, man. That's, that's exactly where I'm going with this. Oh, they are. With Dabo being a Pelham, Alabama boy. I love Dabo. I, I just assume now, he's, he's a huge fish in a small pond right now. Yeah. But whoever coaches Alabama, well, it'll be the best or worst experience of their life because they have big shoes to fill. You, you listen, this is what I'll say on record. <laughs> on record. <laughs> on record. Are you being de- disposed of? I mean, deposed no, of right now? This is what I'm going to say on record. <laughs> If 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 they get rid of Dabo, he's gonna go somewhere else and be ultra successful. We're gonna bring in some shitty. We're gonna go through three shitty coaches. Coaches, and I don't care if they bring them from the NFL or you name it. You know, South Carolina went through this. They brought in dude from Florida, dude from Notre Dame. Dude, mm-hmm. They brought in all these big name coaches, and they didn't do anything with them. I think if you, I think Dabo has an established program. They get rid of him. He goes somewhere else. He establishes that program somewhere else, and we suffer for years. So it's the prime time Deion Sanders model. I like Deion, but Deion's got needs time too. You know, this is his first year. He shot out of the gate, and they started winning, and yeah. man, it just went crazy. He needs. I like Deion. A lot of people don't. I like Deion. I think he could make. He could probably make a pretty good program. They're gonna have to give him time though. Here's the closing question as we wrap this up. And I and I put this on my my Twitter account the other day. I can't believe we just talked sports on this. <laughs> and we're, st- we're, fix- we're still we're still we're still not expecting it, but I'm sitting here loving. <laughs> it. Let me pull this up because I want to get this question that I asked on Twitter right because I, I I did a poll. Okay, so X. my question was, I'm under the impression that Travis Kelsey increases popularity for Taylor Swift. What are your thoughts? Good call. I love it. Vote Travis ups Taylor, or. Taylor ups Travis. Yep. And when I say that, I mean, whose clout is building whose? Is so, Travis building up Taylor's? No. Well, or is Taylor's building up Travis? Both. You tell me, and I'll tell you what both. Twitter said. This is my opinion on this. If you, if you talk to a Swifty, they're going to say he, they put him, she put him on the map. If you talk to a sports guy, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? He's one of the greatest tight ends sure. that's ever played the game. He was great before they started dating. Okay? My thing is, this is what I, this is what I think. I think it's none of what you just said. I think it's synergy. I think one plus one equals five. I think she brings fans for him that grow, that brings him up. I think he brings people to her. Fair. I mean, shit. Fair. We just I went and watched the whole Taylor Swift thing at the damn movie theater with Savannah the other day. You did? Yeah. Of course you did. And I'm not like I would. That would probably. Not yeah, that I'm can. a huge Travis Kelsey fan, but he I watched some of his highlight stuff. He's a pretty damn good player. And so here's here's the uh, votes that came in. How, how do you think? And and there was decent number surveys, so we got a good sample. Yeah, I'm trying to size. think about your. Tra- does Travis up Taylor, or does 
Taylor add more clout to Travis? 22% said Travis ups Taylor. Yeah. 78% said Taylor Swift ups Travis. I totally so, disagree with that. See, I don't, and I'll tell you why. I think the crossover works better for Taylor than Travis. Let me explain myself. You don't have to. I understand Swifties aren't going to be like, oh, Travis is great. I'm going to go start watching football. But people like me who would never go to a Taylor Swift thing went, right? And now I'm like, I understand but more about because, her. But not because of Travis Kelsey. You no, didn't. it was you 100%. Because, because Travis, you had a daughter. No. No, it's because no, no, you had a daughter. No, 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 because mom and daughter would have went with grandma. But because all this was going on, I'm like, okay, I got to see what this is all about. <laughs> Let me go to this thing. Like, 100%. I know. Here's what Mark Cuban said. Yeah. Mark Cuban sent Taylor Swift a message that says, you need to dump that guy. I got a lot of single guys for Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> you know why he said that? Because he wants to. Because he saw cloud. ticket sales go up forty three percent. Yeah, from the, for the Kansas City. But Chiefs. that doesn't necessarily mean. So when you're talking ticket sales, I agree with the Swift effect. Hundred percent. But when you're talking for about the brand, clout, for the brand, but when you talk about cross crossover clout, yeah, I think more crosses over to Taylor's side from Kelsey mm-hmm. than the opposite. These girls that are into Taylor Swift, they're not like a. They're not Kelsey fans. We need to do a whole podcast on the you don't think there's people, You don't think there's more people watching, watching football? Watching to, to see if she shows she up. Shows up but they're not like... But that, that translates into okay, money. Okay, hold on. It does. I'm not, we're not talking money, though. We're talking clout. And what I'm going to say is if they, if they were to split and break up... There's going to be a great song. How many people, <laughs> how many people that switched over stay on, as fans on one side versus the other? If Taylor goes to another football team's player... Her fans are going to that football team. Yeah. They're not going to stay I, Kansas City fans. I agree with that. But I think Kansas City fans that were introduced to Taylor stay with Taylor even if she moves somewhere else. And that what that mm. says, what that says is that Kelsey has more clout to give to her. I don't know that I agree with you on that. Yes. Hundred percent. Because people weren't they, they didn't even know who she was or it what she did. And they became fans because of Kelsey and they potentially follow her. Where the reverse is, the young girls that are that are Swifties discover who Kelsey is. If she moves another team, they're not staying there. We do a whole podcast on Taylor Swift because that there, there's even on the business platform what she's doing and how she's running her tours. The Eras tour just made her a billionaire. Yeah. Now I will say this: right, she is stepping up. I will say this: he doesn't do anything like what she does in money. Like we're not, you know, that's that's there's not even a comparison there. But I will say this: he has his own podcast and it's phenomenal. There, him and his brother have a podcast that is great. It's entertaining. The, the the two personalities work great together. Like they got something going for sure. Well, will it last? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'll tell probably, you what, probably not. If, you, li- if you're listening to us, hit us up on Instagram. Comment on the YouTube whenever Kyle posts it next year. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let us know your thoughts. Email us at. Southcackpod at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts. Do they stay together or not? No. Josh Lusk, any any great favorite quote? Nah, man. I like that. Nah, man. Josh <laughs> quote. Or I'll Josh. Do that to me. <laughs> I'm definitely not a quote guy. So, well, listen, I don't think so. we want to thank you for your time today on the podcast. Yeah, it was it. interesting. I love the failure points part. That was probably the, the big deal for me. That's a uh, pay attention to what you're buying, do some research. 
don't wait for an accident to happen yeah. where before you have scientific engineers come up and tell you why it happened. How can they find you if they somebody out there listening needs? Yeah, I will say before that, I think the biggest thing with people that talking about buying properties and everything like that is, <clears throat> I mean, there's guys out there that, you know, there's building inspectors that work for the county and they do great jobs. Um, they know that they've been educated. They know what they're doing. There's building inspectors when you buy a property that, you know, they they have certain things they're looking at. But um, there's, there's kind of just a, a, a void in stuff related to to water intrusion and stuff that really causes a lot of damage yeah. to buildings that we a lot of, we see a lot. And um, so I think just be cognizant of that. And, um, you know, that's we see that a lot of that. There's people that have bought properties and, like, why did this guy not catch that? Well, you know, yeah, you know, they have a big responsibility. They're looking at you bet. Well, then there, then they're looking at everything. So you can't expect them to to catch everything. So um, I think it's it's important to um, to just be aware of of water type stuff because that's a that's a big big deal with damage. But um, as far as reaching me, um, it's uh, best ways probably emails jlusk at reiengineers.com. And um, we'll be happy to help you out. And they can find your website at uh, reiengineers.com. Awesome. Yep. Perfect. Cool. Mr. Lust, appreciate your time today. Enjoyed on it. South Thanks, Pack guys. Syndicate Podcast. We'll catch you guys next episode. See you soon. Thanks.